You're listening to DraftKings Network. Hey, did you guys see that meme? It says Zion, back shots. Ja, gunshots. RJ, bad shots. Mm. I just did a spit take. That draft class is really, really, really crumbling right before our eyes. Cast! 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 Get it together, boys. Who's the best player, like right now, who's not in any sort of trouble on court, off court? Who's like sitting pretty right now? Who is that? Darius Garland? Yeah. Tyler Heroes got hurt. Jordan Poole got punched. Grant Williams. Rui Achimura. Kevin Porter Jr., all those issues that he had, obviously. Cam Johnson got traded. Matisse Tybal can't shoot. Grant Williams got stomped on by Joel. Caleb Martin's twin, Cody. Oh, that's right. Does it count if you didn't get drafted? I feel like we have a segment coming up a little bit later about how it does count. Because it's still your draft class. Okay. Even if you didn't get drafted. Ish does think so. Yes. Caleb would be a, a bright spot. Daniel Gafford, I guess, is kind of a bright spot. Cam Reddish is another one, like, problem child, right? THT, after a great year with the Lakers in the, his rookie year, he kind of fell off. Jackson Hayes, another guy who's kind of had his fair share of issues. Jalen McDaniels has been good. I think this clears the lane for Bull Bull. Yeah. The time for the takeover is now for Bull Bull. Yeah. Last year was his redemption. Right? Because he had his tough goings on. Eric Pascal, who people thought, oh, like he could be another Draymond type. He kind of didn't work out. Admiral Schofield. Sekou Dembuya, who is a first round pick that apparently everybody hated in Detroit. So that was funny. Casey Opala, who everyone thought was like, oh, it's another Miami Heat find. No, he's not. It's all swirling around this, this Shams Tarani report that there's a Western Conference playoff team that wants to get scoot henderson and it's revealed that it's the new orleans pelicans that are hot to trot for scoot henderson and could either trade up portland's number three pick or the number two pick i want nothing to do with the number two pick why is that tom it's cursed 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 okay so hold on the 2019 draft is cursed but beyond the 2019 draft number two picks in general are cursed right now we don't know what the suspension is as of this recording we could get the adam silver announcement yeah i feel like we're gonna get broken news between this recording and the drop date (laughs) i think everybody's on the edge of their seat are we cursed people were expecting him to do it last night they're expecting adam silver all right here you go here's the larry ob and by the way, John Morant, 40 games. Yeah. <laughs> While I'm up here, let's just get this out of the way. That would have been hilarious. That would have been a mic drop. <laughs> Before I hand this to you, Stan Kroenke, I'd like to point out, Ja, you ain't going to be seeing no action until <laughs> MLK Day, baby, <laughs> as you were. But before that, Ja was doing really well. It didn't seem like he was cursed, Tom. So what are you talking about? So a few years ago, I developed this theory that the number two pick was cursed because if you look at the draft value in the lottery, the number one pick has 330 win shares since 2010. The third pick has 325 win shares since 2010. The number two pick doesn't have 330 or 320. It had 115. You know, I was going to push back on you, and then I pulled up this list, and I said, you might have a point. (laughs) So read them out. I mean, the curse number two pick. I'm going in reverse chronological order. So most recent, last year, Chet Holmgren injured out for the year. Mm. The year before that, Jalen Green. He's been all right. He's fine, yeah. The year before that, 
James Wiseman. We know his story, right? 2019, Ja Morant. We now know his story. 2018, Marvin Bagley. Yikes. AKA not Luka Doncic. <laughs> 2017, Lonzo Ball, who now they're saying may never play another NBA game again. 2016, Brandon Ingram, who I would say is decent but gets hurt a lot, but is that a decent career? Yeah. 2015, D'Angelo Russell. Mm. Whole Snapchat thing and never been looked at as a serious player ever since. 2014, Jabari Parker. Yikes. Flame out. 2013, Victor Oladipo. He had a nice little run, but eventually the curse caught up to him. Yeah. 2012, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Oh, no. <sighs> 2011, Derek Williams. <laughs> Derek Williams. Yes. 2010, teammate at Metal Arc Media, Evan Turner. 2009. And this is the one before I say this name. I'll never forget 2009 draft day because we were doing the math on how much it would take to get Curry to fall to seven, which is presumably where we would be picking if Golden State was going to honor our deal, which they, of course, didn't end up. And every iteration we had, five was the most. It's not going to go well five. There aren't enough players. I think it was Griff that said, man, like every year. There's someone who has no business going where they go. You're just hoping now. You're just basically hoping. Number one was Blake Griffin. And I was like, yeah, that's what we all expected. And everyone thought number two was going to be Tyreek Evans because it was the Grizzlies and because Tyreek was playing for University of Memphis. And at that time, the Grizzlies couldn't sell a ticket. But they played in the same building as the Tigers. And the Tigers were sold out every single game. Home run pick. And they said, Hashim Abid. And all of a sudden the dream, the distant dream of Cray became a reality. After that, you got Beasley. There's the Kevin Durant, which is fine. Fine. Yeah. Kevin Durant's fine. It's an acceptable number two pick <laughs> for Seattle. Yeah, sure. Considering that he's the best player on this list by a mile. Well, he might be the best player in the league by a mile since he's been in the league. LaMarcus Aldridge. I think he was a good pick. A great number two pick. Marvin Williams. Blech. And Mecca Okafor, I thought he was a solid number two pick. Darko, wow. Jay Williams, oh, sorry for you. Tyson Chandler, he's solid. Good career. Stroh Show, Stroh Miles Whip, wow. Steve Francis, oh, that did flamed out horribly for him. Mike Bibby, the Grizzlies had the number two pick three years in a row. How about that? And the Lakers had the number two pick three years in a row as well. Who's got the number two pick this year, Tom? The Charlotte Hornets. Not a great history of number two picks. Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, lose out on Anthony Davis. It was in 2012. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Emeka Okafer in 2004 missed out on Dwight Howard. If I have the Hornets, I just trade trade out of this. No matter if you love Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, this curse, I want nothing to do with it. Do you think Scoot? Also wants to avoid the number two pick. Yeah. I think he'd prefer to go number three. He's probably part of the nation, right? He's part of the Illuminati. Oh, third eye open all the way for Scoot Henderson. Of course. So he's listening to this. He's praying that he moves down to number three and goes to Portland. But there might be a suitor in New Orleans to try to get Scoot, whether it's number two or number three. And Zion Williamson could potentially be in that deal if you're Portland and you're trying to keep Dame in Portland and try to appease him and make sure he doesn't force a trade out of there. It's got to come down to like Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson for that pick, right? You're not moving that pick for anyone else on the roster. Ooh, uh... And if you're Michael Jordan, who still owes the team, weirdly, 
because they reportedly sold like six months ago. <laughs> if they have the number two pick, they lose out on Wemby. But if they swing for Zion, hometown hero, Duke and South Carolina, yeah. bring them home. Zion, avoid the number two pick. Just bring Zion home. Zion would be quite the catch. And if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, you're probably saying to yourself, we kind of survived without having Zion anyway. So what's the big hang up? But if you're Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets, how can you just take this dude who has played a fraction of the available games and in the midst of this huge sex scandal between himself, his baby mama, and his erstwhile porn star girlfriend? These words don't even feel real. Well, he's already on Team Jordan, though. So just consummate the deal. <laughs> That's the positive, right? <laughs> the negative, all this shit. The positive. He's a Jordan athlete. He is a Jordan athlete. He went to Duke, which is local, right? Because the Charlotte franchise has always had this infatuation with drafting tobacco road players or acquiring tobacco road players as if all the alums would be like, you know what? I would like to see Zion sit on the bench and wear a turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what this NBA Finals has taught us is that Damian Lillard's going to go to Miami because he said he's not going to join a championship Miami Heat team. There you go. I think the power that be, the person who is pulling the strings, realize the best way to get Damian Lillard a championship, get him the same sort of recognition that Jokic just got. He's as good as advertised. He just hasn't had the right supporting cast around him. Get him to Miami and somehow do it without giving up Bam. And you're going to have Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo playing in the Eastern Conference next year. It just feels like the stars are aligning. I mean, I'll be shocked. Look, if Andy and Pat can pull off this one without giving up Bam, I'll be staggered. Maybe Jimmy's the one to go. I don't know if anyone's ever considered that one. Why would Portland want Jimmy at this point? Culture. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star Illuminati generals, Amin Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, co-presidents of the Illumination. Amin, are you awake right now? Are you still with us? Barely. 
barely holding on. Do you remember anything that happened Monday night? You were at the NBA finals. We did a post game. You did a post game with another company. Then you hopped on a plane. You took the red eye to Miami. There was a big indictment in Miami. You somehow got to the studios and you did a show. Then you did another show. And now you're on this show. Yeah. By the way, I just want to point something out. It's a little off the beaten path, but they were so paranoid over things are going to happen because of this indictment and stuff. Man, we got an email telling us about all the various security measures the building was taking, including added fire extinguishers in case like things were lit on fire. Nobody here gives a shit. Man. It's Miami, baby. It's 80-something degrees. The water is beautiful. The people are beautiful. Nobody give a damn about no goddamn indictment. There's one thing you didn't mention in that rundown, Tom, which is sleep. Non-stop basketball and talking about basketball and flights for Amino Hassan. No sleep. I got a couple of winks on the flight. Douche or no douche? Guy that calls sleep winks. Douche. Amin is a very well-traveled human being, a well-traveled man. We're going to talk about that well-traveled man in the NBA. Not a mean, but another one that he's come across over the years. His name is Ish Smith, finally winning a championship with the Denver Nuggets, 13 years in the NBA. I'm going to tell you about the glory that is Ishmael Larry Smith later in a segment I like to call Tom did his own research. Yeah, you definitely did, Ish. Ah, well played. But first... You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El-Hassan. I know we've talked a lot about how Jokic is a struggle to market. We talked about that with Nate Jones on previous episodes, but I am loving this Jokic championship press tour. Oh, this is fun. He's the most blue-collar player. Nobody likes his, uh, his job, or maybe they do. They're lying. He's right. I mean, come on. He's speaking the truth. Yeah. He's just happy this is over, just like Amin. It's the funniest thing, man, because everyone's going to focus and zero in on the Wednesday parade Thursday. No, I just want to go home. He's worried about getting home in time for a horse race on Sunday. You got a parade coming up here on Thursday. Yes. How I'm soon till you're back in Sunday? I need to, on Sundays, I have my horse racing in my horse race. Horse, horse, horse racing. <laughs> I was going to get to that, the horse we'll race. Maybe, I don't know how we're going to drive. It's Thursday. Parade Friday, maybe. Would you make I'm, it? I don't know. I'm maybe, ask, maybe you can have enough time to squeeze it in. I'm gonna ask Josh to give me a give me a give me a plane. Oh, I think I think you. I think yeah, he'll, I, I, he'll I think definitely let you get the team plane. I think you deserve that. You deserve a little more than that. I did it on TV. I, I'm gonna finish by. Uh, my I put him under the pressure. Yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Nicole, but I, I don't feel bad at all. Oh, it's funny. It's droll or whatever. But I laugh so hard. When he's, I mean, look, everybody hits their job, right? Like, <laughs> that was his moment of trying to connect with people on a very human level. And it's funny because he's got the blind spot of not realizing that this will break the brains of millions of people. <laughs> I do like, what? You mean? You play a game. And then at the same time, they also have the same blind spot of not being able to recognize that, yes, it is still a job. Mm-hmm. Even though it comes with some perks. It's still work, dude. And you people asking me about a parade is like your coworkers asking you to show up to happy hour. No, I, I don't want to hang out with you people. I'm done. Or Tom's having a birthday next week. Yep. Will you bring the cake? Mm-hmm. We're having cake for Tom in the break room. Uh-huh. No, I don't want to be part of this. I got horses to feed. And FaceTime, according to Kevin Durant. He jumped in a pool, which was fun. That was fun. 
He grabbed Jamal Murray and pushed him in there, and they all jumped into that pool. Tom, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you something that has not been reported anywhere because no media people in the vicinity other than yours truly. When I was leaving the arena, I saw Ish Smith and Jokic hugging and being very emotional, covered in champagne, and and everyone's, oh, you know, Jokic isn't smiling. Oh, look at this guy. Like, that dude was happy as hell, man. And I know he was happy because even he looked at me and he smiled and he nodded. And I said, congratulations, as I walked out. Oh, that's cute. Your guy, Ish Smith, got the joy out of him, so. I think we might have a clip of that moment, Maze. Yeah, sure, we'll play it again. We'll save it for later. Oh, that was a tease? Yeah, that was a tease. Do you have a clip for real? Yeah, there's a clip of them hugging, Ish and Jokic. In the hallway? In the hallway. Was I in the clip? I don't see Amino Hassan in it. It's because we're pretty much right up in Jokic's back. Oh. I'm zapruitering this thing. Ooh. Is it a back shot? Oh. Oh, boy. That was the cold open. When they walk... Are you to the left? I'm to the left. Are you back and to the left? Back and to the left. When he nods his head right before he goes in the doorway, that's me. <laughs> He's nodding his head at me. Wow, how about that? It was a horrible game played by both teams. The Nuggets shot like 17% from three, 55% from the free throw line. There was foul trouble. There was missed dunks. The Miami Heat... Led by Jimmy Butler, couldn't hit a shot until the very end. And the Denver Nuggets held on. And you said last night in our postgame show, I mean, that that was the most overmatched finals that you can recall. Do you still believe that? Or is was that just the heat of the moment called by you? Nuggets of the moment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Heat of the moment. I just felt like Miami looked like a team that won 44 games in the season. They played like that. There was long stretches where I'm looking at them look completely lost, like children playing against teenagers or whatever. They just don't know how to even get a shot up because everything was just getting muffed and blocked like Stuart Scott into the sixth row and all that. Look, Miami, the fact that they had a chance to win that game, the fact that they had a chance to win game one if they'd hit shots, it's really truly is remarkable. But this was not an even matchup. This was not good basketball. And... Third eye open tells me this is what it takes to get Damian Lillard, like we mentioned. <laughs> they tanked the finals to get Damian Lillard. Got to, man. Jimmy Butler knew. Why else would he be passive for three and a half quarters and then realize, oh, it's a little obvious. Let me just hit some shots here and mix it up. And then let me stop shooting again and have a couple of bad turnovers. It just didn't make sense, man. Enough shooting to get your hopes up to make it look real. Also, we talked about this a little bit on the Lepitar show, but I don't know if the audience caught on to us talking about this. For a guy whose ankle hurts and he doesn't have any lift and he can't make, get any separation, he got high as f on that three-point attempt. Dude, his feet were like where my head is. Corner three you're talking about. The three-shot foul. The corner three where he got fouled. When he kicked Aaron Gordon in the dick? Yeah. That one. Wow. You know who got excited by that play? Draymond Green. They're rewarding dick kicks with free throws now? Woo-hoo! Mark Davis, the lead ref, asserted that it was... Aaron Gordon's massive. Oh, I mean, you have your third eye closed on this one. What? We talk about the conservation of points. Conservation of dick kicks. That's right. Well, I was going to say it was Aaron Gordon's massive cock that slapped Draymond. I mean, let me do that again. (laughs) You want to nail that one? Okay, you sure? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it was Aaron Gordon's girthy cock that slapped the shit out of (laughs) go back go back to Denver please Jesus get some sleep I mean tired man (laughs) you thought oh man what is going on here they're going to replay and 
Jimmy Butler kicks his leg forward right into Aaron Gordon's nuts. And he's not even in his landing zone. He stops short. And if that's a foul, man, I don't know what is a foul. Like if we're going to review and that is a foul, we need to completely rip up the rule book. That can't be a foul on Aaron Gordon. But then I realized who is trying to take over the game. It's not Jimmy Butler. It's not Aaron Gordon or Nikola Jokic or even Mark Davis for that matter. Who was in the replay center that night running those replays? Oh, no. Scott Foster. What? Scott Foster? Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, man. The ghost in the machine. That's right. That's right. And you heard it here first. Scott Foster has had a horrid record with the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat losing something like 10 straight games with Scott Foster as the referee, the lead referee, the crew chief. And then suddenly, once we report on it, what's Scott Foster doing? The conservation of points. Flip the script. Flip the script. Flip the script, baby. Hey, is that a foul on Aaron Gordon's dick? They go to the replay center in Secaucus. Who's at the other side analyzing it and giving those replays? It's none other than the former public enemy number one in Miami. That blew my mind, that call. But Jimmy Butler, as we said, ball don't lie. He turned that ball over. And led that fast break for Denver in the closing seconds and missed that shot. I think he knew. I can't get too good. I can't score this many points. I'm getting a little too hot here. The heat is getting a little too hot. I need Damian Lillard next to me next year. So I need to throw this ball away. He needed to salvage his reputation right there at the end. It couldn't go out. Just like Jimmy was a non-factor. So he had like all the talk shows say, well, he got, he got them back and all that. Like that's what he's going for. But ultimately chess, not checkers. That's right. You want Damian Lillard. You got to make it seem like we actually need Damian Lillard. I'm sticking by that one. You know, I mean, you're working on not a lot of sleep right now. Mm-hmm. We're all feeling it right now. We're stretched very thin, but you know, who's not very hurt right now is the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Denver Nuggets, the story of their season is that they stayed healthy. Jamal Murray stayed healthy. Michael Porter Jr. stayed healthy. And their core, their top eight guys, their starting five, plus Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green did not miss a single postseason game due to injury this whole run. Not one. That's pretty good. And a lot of that is serendipitous. They didn't land on an ankle or didn't turn on an ankle or hurt their knee or slide on the floor, whatever it is. There's some of it that is luck that they were able to have a pristine injury record. But a lot of it is what they did earlier this season. Did you know Jamal Murray didn't play in a back-to-back set until January? No, I did not know that. Jamal Murray, they had him on ice. They didn't have him play a full back-to-back set until January 5th and 6th of this season. And we talk a lot about Kawhi Leonard and how that was a failure, their resting program and not playing back-to-backs. Keep in mind, the NBA champion Denver Nuggets had a very proactive resting schedule for Jamal Murray of the 12 back-to-back sets that Denver had on their schedule this year. Jamal Murray only played in four of them. Now look at that. Look at the fruits of that labor. That is why you rest them. So you get that kind of Jamal Murray playing at that level In the NBA Finals in five games, averaged 21.6 rebounds and 10 assists, basically shooting 45, 39, and 93. He was awesome, man. Big-time shots, defended well when he needed to. He's every bit the co-star that Nikola Jokic needed this year to win an NBA championship. And I think not enough people are talking about that whole rest story. 
where they were able to get Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray and Jokic healthy. And that might have been the most important ingredient of all. Speaking of health, what did you guys think of the report that Tyler Hero was available, which led to a great Eric Spolstra press conference reaction only for Tyler Hero to not play at all? Was that just so we could let Portland know that he's available? It was subterfuge. That was all it was. That was some chess right there. Trying to make sure that the video coordinators and the staffers on uh, the Nuggets were prepping for Tyler Hero's triumphant return in the finals. Man, they weren't bringing him back in that moment. He hadn't played in two months with a hand injury and he's a shooter. I don't know. It seemed like a lot of posturing to me. I said this last night, Zach Harper and I have dubbed this the Kawhi Leonard. Mm. He should have been doing this all series long. I don't know why it took him down to the elimination game. They should have been from game one. Tyler is questionable, probable, whatever weird injury term you want to use. Just keep doing that. Just to keep messing with them. If you had no intention of actually playing them. If you had an intention of playing them, why the f didn't you play them? There's several questions I have about Eric Spolster's rotation. One, why are you playing Cody Zeller? Two, why'd you stop playing Haywood Highsmith, who was one of their best players in the first two games, and then you couldn't snip the court over the last three games? And then finally, if Tyler Hero was not available, they should have been doing that Kawhi Leonard shit the whole series. Kawhi Leonard famously, if you remember, the Clippers, he got hurt in game one of the conference semifinals. He tore his ACL, but the Clippers just kept calling it knee soreness and said day-to-day, -day, which is just insane. It's insane. But ladies and gentlemen, that's what's called gamesmanship. And I'm all for it. You're in the playoffs. You're in the finals. You got to get every advantage you want. They should have been doing that the entire series unless he actually was ready to go all hands on deck, in which case, why the hell didn't you play him, Spo? Well, he needed to play Cody Zeller. That's what he needed to do. I was really upset we didn't get DeAndre Jordan and Cody Zeller last night. That was the real matchup. King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> Who had that on their bingo card that DeAndre Jordan and Cody Zeller would both appear in the same game in the series, in the same half? I was so close. The same quarter. Jenna might have had that bet. <laughs> Jenna might have. Jenna Garcia. <laughs> we were so close. We got Zeller minutes back, 61 seconds, and they get lost by five in those minutes. He had a couple strong showings in between the series. But opening two games, he was minus 19 and 15 minutes. Just not great. But you know what? Miami Heat, maybe they knew what was going down. Maybe they knew, hey, Bam Adebayo, he's going to get his shots. We need to feed him, feed his ego, make him feel like he's a superstar, even though Jokic is going to tear him apart. I thought Bam played really well in this series. You thought what? I think he played really well in this series. He got goaded <laughs> into some mid-range shots. But dude, Nikola Jokic, when he's on the floor... The Denver Nuggets going against Minnesota, 120 points per 100 possessions. Against Phoenix, 120 points per 100 possessions. Against the best defense in the NBA, the Lakers, 124 points per 100 possessions. And then against the Heat, it was like 110. I feel like Bam Adebayo did his job. He neutralized that Nikola Jokic offense, made it league average, and did about as well as you could do. He took a lot of mid-range shots, but... I don't hate what Bam Adebayo did. It's not an empty 21 and 12. I mean, so upset he walked away. Yeah, I, I had to go piss on that take real quick. Sorry about that. You're out of your mind. Now, defensively, you have my full yes. and undying support. You're absolutely right. I thought the Miami Heat defended Denver better than any team has all year long. I thought Bam did everything he could defensively. 
and was very effective and impactful. But offensively, Tom, there's only so many eight-foot jump shots I can take. There's only so many jump hooks over Bruce Brown, who, by the way, yesterday I interviewed, he's not that big, man. He's like 6'2", right? He's neither that tall nor is he that wide. He looks like a regular person. But Bam actually attacked the rim in game five. Yeah, in the first quarter. Now you might say, where was that game one through four? Where was that quarters two through four? How about that? He did in the first quarter and then it just stopped. Look, man, there has to be a moment where you say there's only one person who can match me athletically on this court. That guy's Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is the only guy on the Nuggets who has the size, quickness, and leaping ability to say, I can give Bam physical problems. Jokic is tall, yes, and he's in the right place at the right time. A lot of times, yes. He doesn't have the foot speed. Bam should have been blasting past him every opportunity possible. And don't get me started on when he all those switches and mismatches where he goes to a jump hook or a fadeaway jumper or, you know, or a floater. And I'm like, buddy, Eddie Johnson and I were talking about this yesterday because Eddie was like, who's another guy you can think of was around the same size? Definitely not as bulky as Bam. Who We, we wouldn't have these kind of problems if he was here. Amari Stoudemire. Because Amari Stoudemire's attitude every time he stepped on the floor was... I'm going to destroy somebody right? physically. Hey, you know what the big difference between Bam Adebayo and Amari Stoudemire is? Defense. Yes. So you're asking the dude to lock down or to neutralize Nikola Jokic on one end, and then we're going to kill him for being an inefficient 20 points per game. Yeah, pretty much. I just think that's unfair. I don't think it's unfair. I think there is a moment where star players are greeted with one of two options. Either... I can settle for this little shit right here, or I can work to get the shot that I want. And Bam routinely settle rather than working for the shot that he should have wanted. And I don't know if that settling is because it was he was tired. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you get the great defense and the energy defensively if he's attacking the rim every time? I say no. It's a trade-off. I would have agreed with you had I not seen him do it in other series against other opponents where it's not quite nearly the taxing defensive workload. I get it. Jokic is... Do it in the finals is what you're saying? I'm just saying, like, I've seen him behave like that in moments where he wasn't guarding the best player on the planet. He was just out there to do the regular defensive stuff. I just think they might need a a third star, a guy who can soak up a lot of possessions and Hmm. maybe Bam Adebayo, instead of taking those eight-foot middies, he's actually passing it out to a guy who's, you know, going to hit a 30-footer. What's that ticking sound? Like Damian Lillard. Oh, it's Dame time. Let's do this real quick because I'm sick and tired of this shit. What the hell would Portland want from Miami? It's like, okay, you can have our (laughs) franchise player, the best player in franchise history. Hey, man, if the Heat got Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson without giving up a single pick or a young up-and-coming star. Yeah, I would counter with Jimmy Butler was a free agent, and Philly was faced with either let him walk and get nothing, and he was going to go somewhere else, or send him to this team and, and let's get some stuff for him and in that moment, they had leverage. In this case, Damian Lillard's under contract for a good long time. And he doesn't come with the radioactivity that Jimmy came with at that time. You gotta remember, Jimmy burned his way out of Minnesota and got along very well with Embiid. Also was kind of burning his way through 
Philadelphia. And so there's an element of where do we go from here and ended up in Miami. I think Damian Lillard is someone that 29 out of the other 29 teams are going to line up saying, I want them. Well, first of all, we have to talk about the contract. The contract is... The contract is Schmontrack, man. That's Damian Lillard. No, it's Spotrack. Spotrack, not Schmontrack. So let's just talk about the contract. Next year, he's going to get paid 45. The year after that, 49. The year after that, 58. And then he's got a player option in 2026-27, in which he's going to be paid $63 million. Now, the cap is going to skyrocket here in a couple years with the new TV deal. So when we talk about these figures, they might look like bargains by the time the salary cap blows up. But Damian Lillard is about to turn 33 years old this summer. So in 2027, he'll be 37 years old, getting paid $60 million. So if you're an acquiring team, you got to know that if things go south, you're on the hook, Clay Thompson style, for a lot of money for the back end of the guy's contract. Which teams are going to want to take that contract on at that status? I think a lot of teams, but that's not the question. I mean, I think it's... Portland, do you do right by Damian Lillard and send him where he wants to go? Or do you basically hold the cards and say, I'm sorry, but you signed a contract here and we're not going to trade you unless we get your offer. I think the big thing here is it's not, hey, Damian, we're trading you to Alaska because that's the best deal that we're going to get. When you look at the other options on the table, they aren't exactly objectionable destinations to Damian Lillard. The Knicks... The Nets, like these are teams that have been linked to him in the past. Now, given his druthers, he's told you he would prefer Miami. Yeah, Prefer doesn't mean I only want to go to Miami and nowhere else. And absent that kind of stance, I don't see a way that Miami can strong arm its way, particularly when he says, I'd love to play him over Miami, Bam's my boy, which is code for don't let his ass be in the deal for me. So now you're left with, Pretty much just Tyler Hero as your only avenue to make something happen. What about Caleb Martin, a.k.a. Kevin Durant from the Eastern Conference Finals? Kevin Durant, basically. Here's the thing. They can't do this trade before the draft because before the draft is still this fiscal year and Tyler Hero counts for only $5.7 million, right? They have to wait until the new fiscal year, July 1, right? But when July 1 kicks... Damian Lillard is no longer making about $37 million. He's now making in the vicinity of $45 million. You need even more salary. So Hero and Martin alone are about $34 million. You're still going to need another $11 million somewhere. Now, can you convince them to, hey, take Duncan Robinson's mm-hmm. two and a half years? I say two and a half years because the third year of his deal is a partial guarantee for $9.8 million out of the... 19 he's due so basically roughly half i don't know if that gets the job done so then you say okay where else can i find 11 ish million dollars give or take on my roster you've got oladipo with a player option for nine five being that he's injured he's probably not gonna opt out of that but again that's not something that gets portland up in the morning Koli jovic who's serbian the next Jokic. Jovic, Jokic. i think he's 13 years old he's yeah. the new jason tatum <laughs> You have him. Did you hear me out? Portland fans are ecstatic. You trade him who, Hey, a lot of people think it might be the next Wemby. So basically you get Wemby. Then you trade the 18th pick this year. So it's after the draft. You basically let Portland pick the 18th pick. And then because of the stepping rule, you can't, you know, trade next year. That's the big problem. The heat don't have the 2025th pick. 
So you got to wait until the 2027 Mm -hmm. and the 2029. So you throw in 27, 29 this year and Jovich. I think you got a, I think you got the makings of a phone call. When you say this year though, because again, we've established you can't do this deal until July 1. So the idea is that you better either have the essence of a deal ready on draft day. Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. It's not Andrew Wiggins because Andrew Wiggins was very close to consensus number one. It was tomato, tomato, right? And in essence, he became value in and of himself. In this case, if you're telling Portland, hey, let's do this deal. All right. They need to tell me who you want me to take with my 2023 first. If you're saying, hey, I'll do this deal and I'll throw in the kid I took with my first in 2023. That's a different proposition because guess what? He isn't the number one overall pick. He's the 18th pick. It's a big difference, man. You asking me to take your shitty ass 18th pick and two more picks that are far down the line? If I'm Cronin, I'm saying, am I even going to be here to use those draft picks after I trade Damian goddamn Lillard for Victor Oladipo's corpse and Caleb Martin and Tyler Hero and a bargain brand version of Jokic? This is a stunningly, stunningly third eye closed vision from Mino Hassan. Really? Yeah. Wow. His eyes are droopy. Third eye sleepy. Yeah. Keep them open. Can't believe you're doubting Pat Riley and Andy Ellsberg like that. I am. Because you know what? Being here in Miami, I've realized something. You know, they hate New York, right? They hate New York. Oh, New Yorkers are loud. New Yorkers can't shut up about where they're from, whatever. You know who's loud? Miami people. You know who can't shut up about where they're from? Miami people. And you know who also thinks every single superstar around the league is coming to their team? Miami people, just like New York. Well, Caleb Martin did come to Miami. They weren't talking about him coming here before he got here. Now they're talking about him because he's here. I mean, he's basically KD. I mean, think about it. You're basically trading KD, Tyler Hero, who's sixth man of the year, an all-star in waiting, and Nikola Jovic, who's... Again, 12 years old, and that's real value. I mean, think of the upside. He's getting younger by the day. 11 now. It's amazing. He's now in diapers. Think about it. Well, it may not be Dame time in South Beach quite yet, but it is ish time because he's a champion. And so our very own Tom Haberstrow has written a love letter to one ish Smith, the champion. Can't wait to hear about it in the segment that Tom calls Tom did his own research. Coming up next. What does that look like? You doing your own research? Are you doing studies yourself? Are you in the lab on a nightly basis? What are you doing? Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Doing your own research. I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to tell everyone that this is it. For me, it's just um, just giving everyone a chance to do their own research and find their own knowledge. All right, I did some research today, but I think we're going to do things a little bit different. How about a little segment on one of my favorite NBA stories ever? Ish Smith. Ish Smith just became an NBA champion. You might think that he's just an NBA journeyman who rode the coattails to a Larry O'Brien trophy. And honestly, there's a lot of truth in that. While we got a DeAndre Jordan sighting in game five, we didn't get one of Ish Smith. He didn't play a single minute in the NBA finals. And while the Nuggets put a whooping on the heat, Ish was on the sidelines for all of it. But man, 
I want to tell you about this guy, Ishmael Larry Smith. That after winning the NBA Finals MVP, Nikola Jokic flagged down Ish in the hallway of Ball Arena on Monday night. And Ish Smith had just the biggest smile, yelling out to him, well, just roll the tape. I don't care what they say, baby. I'm so proud of you, bro. You needed need 13 years bro, to wait for I'm me. Bro, I'm so proud of you. Man, I don't know why they didn't bring me here earlier. What the heck? Like and I love this moment because it's got to be fate that these two guys from across the world came together to win that elusive title. Jokic and Ish share the bond of the overlooked underdog. Jokic famously wasn't a first round pick and became the first player ever to win MVP after being drafted outside the first round. And when Jokic was drafted 41st overall, he was famously not even broadcast on TV. It was in commercial. And in 2018, when Woj was breaking the news on Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center that Jokic had signed a max deal with the Nuggets, ESPN ran highlights of Yusuf Nurkic, who was playing for the Portland Trailblazers, not even on the same team. And Ish Smith gets that. While he was passed over in the first round and the second round in 2010, Ish Smith never got drafted. And 13 years later, here he is, an NBA champion. But that is not the coolest part about Ish Smith and not why I'm talking to you about him right now. A bunch of NBA players have played 13 seasons in the league and a bunch of players have been undrafted and won an NBA title. And some have done both, like Udonis Haslam. But Ish, this guy is different. Get this. Ish Smith has played on 13 different NBA teams. 13. To this day, that is an NBA record. He has played, in order, for Houston, Memphis, Golden State, Orlando, Milwaukee, Phoenix, OKC, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Philadelphia again, Detroit, Washington, Charlotte, Washington again, and finally this year in Denver. He's been traded seven times and waived six times. And this season, according to ESPN, Zach Lowe, the Nuggets almost traded Ish an eighth time, but the coaches and players talked the front office out of it saying Smish. Why am I saying it right there? I keep saying Smish. It's Smish. I'm ruined now. <laughs> All right. But the coaches and players talked the front office out of it. They took a stand and said, no, not on my watch. We're not making this an eighth time for Ish. When is enough enough? And they said Smith was too integral to their locker room. And so they kept him. Ish Smith has been humbled time and time again in the NBA. He's been hardened by his humble beginnings. He's the son of Gwen and Larry Smith, who ran a janitorial business out of the greater Charlotte area, literally cleaning the filth off of local hotels. So man, when I say that Ish Smith earned this moment, I say it with my chest. I saw a tweet this morning, 20 years ago, this week, Ish, a kid from Central Cabarrus High School, a four-star recruit, he got a letter from Skip Prosser, who is then the head coach at Wake Forest University, who helped make Chris Paul a household name. Wake Forest asked Ish to fill out a questionnaire to begin the recruiting process. And that, my friends, is how Ish and I became teammates, or I should say classmates. Ish and I were students at Wake Forest together, overlapping his first two years and my last two at the school. And let me tell you something. He was awesome. Lightning quick, amazing handles and vision, like crazy good vision, set up all of his teammates with easy buckets. He was the purest of point guards. 
After his first season in which he led the ACC in assists, something terrible happened. His coach, Skip Prosser, died of a heart attack on campus while exercising around the school track. It was a devastating loss that, like, to this day, I don't think the program, the Prosser family, I don't think anyone's really recovered from it. Dino Gaudio took over in his place and made Ish Smith a three-year captain. In Ish's senior year, after losing his head coach, he was named second-team All-ACC. He was the only player, I love this stat, I found it on like a Wake Forest little bio page. He was the only player in the country six foot or shorter with 19 blocks on the season. It's the most random tidbit, so esoteric, it's just great. He hit a game winner, I'll never forget it, in the NCAA tournament, beating Texas in overtime in the first round. That was one of four game-winning shots, four game-winning buzzer beaters while at college. And despite all that, starring in probably the best conference in the country, Ish Smith did not hear his name in the 2010 draft. Honestly, looking back, there's some good reason for that. He's maybe six feet tall. And unlike his teammate, Chris Paul, Ish never had a reliable range. He just couldn't shoot. Only like in the most clutch moments, he hit jumper after jumper. But he was fast. Maybe the fastest in the NBA. The Wizards both had John Wall and Ish on the same team at one point. These are two North Carolina bred race cars. I've asked people on those teams a hundred times over the years, and no one can give me a straight answer to the question, who's faster, Ish or John? They just shrugged their shoulders and like, I, can't, I couldn't tell. Some said John, some said Ish. And John, interesting enough, was the number one pick in the 2010 draft, that same draft class with Ish. And he eliminated Ish in the NCAA tournament that year. But now... Ish has something John doesn't have, and that's a championship ring. But he's not the only one in that 2010 class who does not have a championship ring. I did some research here, found that zero players picked in the 2010 draft have ever won a ring in the NBA. Zero. But, well, hold on. Technically, technically, okay. Technically, three players have. Dominique Jones in 2011 with the Mavs, Damian James in 2014 with the Spurs, and Avery Bradley in 2020. But neither of them actually played during the postseason run like Ish just did. In fact, the only players in the 2010 draft class that I could come up with to win a championship with actual postseason minutes with that team is Ish and Jeremy Lin. Yep, both undrafted. Jeremy Lin won the NBA title with the Toronto Raptors in 2019 with a similar Ish Smith story of a journeyman who captured the heart of the nation. And maybe Ish Smith won't get a documentary one day, but I'd like to think he has a documentary in my heart. Ish is basically the Forrest Gump of the NBA. And Mays, I'm not going to do the Wake Forest Gump pun here. I'm not going to do it. Sounds like you just did it. <laughs> you want to put it in there? Go for it. I'm not going to argue. Ish is the Forrest Gump of the NBA. He's played with Steph Curry. He's played with Yao Ming. He's played with Nikola Jokic. And he's played with Reggie Jackson on three separate teams. Once with OKC, then with Detroit, and now Denver. All in all, 13 teams, an NBA record. And he's had more than one stint in the G League. So it's more like 15 or 16 teams that he's played on. He has lived out of a suitcase for basically his entire career. And to this day, Kyle Lowry still calls him Rook from their days back in Houston in 2010. So here's where it gets crazy. According to basketballreference.com, in 13 seasons, Ish Smith 
has played in a game with 230 different NBA players, 230 teammates in the NBA. To put that in perspective, that's 15 more than LeBron James has played with in 20 seasons. His 230 teammates is over 100 more than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had in 20 seasons. I'm going to keep going. 230 teammates is more than double the number of teammates that 2010 draft classmate Gordon Hayward has had. They both played 13 years in the league and Ish Smith has more than double the number of teammates. Here's another way to look at it. Since 2010, I counted 1,607 players who have passed through the NBA, which means that 14% of all players that have played in the NBA since 2010 can call Ish Smith a teammate. And because he has played against 1,203 players over that time since 2010, 75% of NBA players who have come through the league can say they've played against Ish. He's played with four MVPs, Steph, Russell Westbrook, KD, and Jokic. He's played with a Quinton, a Zeke, a Zaza. He's played with two PJs, a JJ, a CJ, a TJ, a JT, an OJ, and an O'Quinn, an LMAM, an MPJ, a KCP, or as Charlotte Wilder calls him, CPK. He's played with a Jerrion Grant and a Jeremy Grant. Brothers. He's played with Jeremy Lamb, Jeremy Tyler. He's played with four Mikes, three Chris's, three Eric's, three Isaiah's, three Reggie's, two Nicola's, two Zach's, two Kevin's, a Christmas and a Noel. He's played with Mayo and a Plum. He's played with Boban, Duhan, Furkan, Goron, Etwan, Ursan, Davon, Daquan, Athan, Avon, and a Yan. My guy, Rob Mahoney at The Ringer, just wrote an amazing piece about Jeff Green's teammates. And he pointed out that you can literally connect Aussie Schechtman, the Brooklyn native credited with scoring the first basket in NBA history, all the way to Jeff Green within six connections. Called it the six degrees of Jeff Green, a la Kevin Bacon. And you can do the same thing with Ish Smith. Here we go. Ish Smith played with Hito Turkoglu in Orlando and Hito Turkoglu played with Kevin Willis in San Antonio, who played with Johnny Davis in Atlanta, who played with Herm Gilliam in Portland, who played with Bob Cousy in Boston. Scratch that. Not Boston. Did not remember. Bob Cousy also played in Cincinnati. So he played with Bob Cousy in Cincinnati, who played with Sidney Hertzberg in Boston, who played with da, 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 Aussie Schechtman in New York. Ish Smith has played with 14 head coaches, including Rick Adelman, who started playing in the NBA in 1968 for the San Diego Rockets. And Rick Adelman started coaching in 1983, five years before Ish was born. Ish has also played for Lionel Hollins, Mark Jackson, Stan Van Gundy twice, Jacques Vaughn, Scott Skiles, Jeff Hornacek, Scott Brooks, Brett Brown twice, Alvin Gentry, Dwayne Casey, James Brega, Wes Unseld, and finally, Michael Malone. Don't call him Mike. Ish has made the playoffs just six times in his 13 seasons, which makes him a little bit different than Udonis Haslam in another way. Ish has been on three teams that have won 20 games or fewer, including the Trust the Process 2016 Sixers, which, by the way, had some really good players on it. Not like amazing players, but like really good NBA players. Jeremy Grant was on that team. Rocco, Robert Covington, Christian Wood, Rashawn Holmes, TJ McConnell, 
And Nerlens Noel all played for that team. Ish Smith has been traded for Hashim Thabit. He's been traded for Tobias Harris. He's been traded for Karam Butler. He's been traded for a New Orleans Pelicans 2016 second round draft pick. And then the Pelicans traded him for two second round draft picks. He was traded for Montrez Harrell. And finally, this past year, he was traded in the package for Will Barton and Monty Morris going back to the Wizards. A couple last things about Ish that I love. One, his pregame routine. He watches Everybody Loves Raymond of four games. It's a great detail uncovered by Chase Hughes, one of my former colleagues. So Ish tells Chase in this NBC Sports Washington story, he says, that's my show. That's my show. I don't know. I've always liked it. He says, one of my favorites is when the dad drove his car through the house. Raymond was calm for a minute, but his wife, she always wants him to get on his family, but he's so scared of his family. So his dad, by accident, drove it through it and told them to fix the wallpaper. So they fixed the wallpaper and he came in towards the end of the episode and seen that wallpaper was not the same. So Raymond just snapped. He just snapped. That was a really good episode. Ish said. Another thing is that Ish Smith doesn't like Fast and the Furious. He doesn't like any action-packed movies. He just loves, everybody loves Raymond. And the second thing I want to tell you and leave you with about Ish Smith is that he almost quit basketball at college his freshman year. This story from Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer was talking about how there was a time when Smith was about to give up his love for basketball. He was a starting point guard at Wake Forest as a freshman. He tore a ligament in his right thumb in his seventh game. By the way, I don't remember this. I don't remember anything about a thumb injury for Ish. I just remember that he had a rough patch that first year and a bunch of us were pretty angry about it. Keith's story keeps going. Demon Deacons coach Skip Prosser, who passed away the summer after Smith's first season, gave his rookie two options. Ish recalling Coach Prosser saying, either you get surgery and we'll make it a public announcement or you'll get no surgery and you suck it up and not make it public. And Ish was like, that's a Pittsburgh guy. So you suck it up. And I sucked it up. Ish struggled with the injury so much so that several fans voiced their displeasure with his performances. Probably me, probably me. And for the first time, the lovable Smith was being criticized in the media. So after one turnover played game, he hopped into a vehicle with his mom and his siblings and he began to cry. He said, I can't do this. His mother recalled, just want to go home. And Gwen, his mother says, I just looked at him and I said, boy, shut up. You wanted this. We are here to support you. So go and fight for what you want and don't come back anymore in tears. Go and get what you want. And now Ish Smith undrafted after those seven trades, six waves, 13 teams, 14, 15, 16, probably if you're really counting after the 230 NBA players that can call Ish Smith a teammate in 2023, finally Ish Smith is a champion. He went and got what he wanted. And in the end, the real winner is probably me. Been vouching for this dude for two decades almost. Ever since I was a student at Wake and watched him hit the game winner over Miami and Texas. And here he is 13 years later, after all his teammates at Wake have left the league and in 2010 draft class, none of them have won a title the way he has. And after all that, I can say I'm the real winner because I just spent all this time in 2023, the year of the Lord, to talk about Ish Smith. So thank you, Ish, for doing it and giving me the platform to give you flowers. Go Deeks.
you did it. You made it through another NBA season. You're home free. No more work, right? You're going to go back to Serbia and watch your horses race? And FaceTime my horses. No, no, the work never ends, young Anthony Mays, because draft day is just around the corner. And guess who hasn't done any work getting to know <laughs> any of these prospects? That's right, this guy. <laughs> so, Fatin, today we're recording on the 13th. I have until June 22nd to learn about every player in the draft, or at least all the ones that make it to Summer League. Because after that, I go to Summer League. And I do that for two weeks. Because why not? And then at the end of all that, maybe I launch a nebulous basketball show with Charlotte Wilder. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But needless to say, basketball never stops, which sounded like such a cool slogan when Nike put out those shirts Little did I realize, nope, guess what, Tom? It's not just 2019 that's cursed. It's not just the number two overall pick that's cursed. Amino Hassan is cursed. Cursed, cursed, cursed. You made it, though, to Miami, which is great. The window didn't close on you. Oh, yeah, because Zach Harper's bitch ass said I was going to be late. Oh, watch, he's not going to be on time. Yeah, f*** you, Zach. Showed up before anybody else to the office. That's what happens when you don't sleep. Knock the show out the park. You realize Aaron Gordon... Is Jordan, but just with a soft J? Always. I've always realized that. Also, do you realize that Aaron Gordon is the younger brother of Drew Gordon, who played at New Mexico? Mm-hmm. Well, I know about them because they're Bay Area kids. Yeah, they're local guys, yeah. Archbishop Mitty, the Gordons. Aaron Jordan now, because he's a champion, it's a hard J. Yep. But it's a G, though. I don't get that. It's like a D dog on a fly tip. tip. This is a very dirty episode, man. Hey, man. Girthy. A lot of girth. Welcome to the end of the season. Girth has got to be up there with moist, right? Girth is a very moisty word. Girth Brooks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.